to the Very Well Mind podcast. We've interviewed over 100 authors, experts, entrepreneurs, athletes, musicians, and others to help you learn strategies to care for your mental health. This episode is hosted by psychotherapist and best-selling author Amy Morin. Now let's get into the episode. When you look in the mirror, do you immediately notice what you don't like about yourself? When you see a picture of yourself, do you criticize how you look? Do you spend a lot of energy trying to cover up the physical features that you don't like? If you answered yes to any of those questions, this episode is for you. I'm talking to Iskra Lawrence. She's a model, but not your typical model. She's changed a lot of things about the modeling industry as she's learned to accept her body for what it is rather than conform to industry standards. Today, she's sharing some great tips for practicing body acceptance. Make sure to stick around for the therapist take at the end of the episode. It's the part of the show where I'll break down Iskra's mental strength strategies and share how you can apply them to your own life. So here's Iskra Lawrence on how accepting your body can help you grow mentally stronger. Iskra Lawrence, welcome to the Very Well Mind podcast. I'm very excited to be here. Thanks for having me, Amy. I'm excited to talk to you. Uh, so for our listeners who don't know, can you explain a bit about how you uh, dove into the career to become a supermodel? And then I understand you sort of didn't fit in anywhere. So you paved your own path and created this whole new thing that's kind of starting to revolutionize the modeling industry. Yes. Um, so I was 13 when I entered a modeling competition and I got through to the finals, was scouted, and it very quickly kind of made itself clear that compared to the other models in the industry, I was curvier. And so I was actually dropped from the agency. And then I really struggled. I went to about 11 different agencies who all rejected me because of my size. And bearing in mind, I'm probably a US four at this point. I'm very slim. Um, And so what it did was it helped it. I mean, it did nothing to help my self-esteem. Let's put it that way. I was publicly body shamed at runway shows when I couldn't fit into samples. I was measured constantly and told that I had to lose two inches off my hips when I was already just my bone structure was that size. Um, And so there was no healthy method for me to cope with this, being a young teenager trying to figure out who they are and how I fit into the world. And so it spiraled out of control and I ended up having body dysmorphia because I would look at my body and I would see something so different from probably what the outside world would see. I, I would think that my flesh and my and my size was, was huge and that I would want to try and literally grab pieces of my skin and pull them back and try and reveal this slimmer body that I thought that I needed to have to be successful in the industry, um, which led to an eating disorder because the one way to control your weight you think is obviously with the food that you put in. And so I had no access to a healthy way to live, you know, a balanced lifestyle. So that was very damaging to me. Um, And it took me many years to recover from that. And during my recovery, I heard about plus size modeling from a fellow model. And I went and I approached a couple of agencies who said I was too small to be a plus size model. So the frustration of spending all those years trying to fit into one, you know, mold, and then being told you couldn't actually be the other end of the spectrum either. That's when I realized all those years I'd spent trying to change myself 
that was redundant. I needed to change the industry because this just isn't right. Um, and the whole point of the beauty of humans is that we are all unique and different and we are a peripheral spectrum, like a rainbow. You know, we are all meant to be different. So the fact that there was just these strict standards and there was these gatekeepers, it just didn't make sense because the whole point of advertising is you're advertising to us, to the people, to the consumer, as they like to call them. And it's like, that's us. And so we should just be representing ourselves. Um, so I kind of went on this mission and I was very lucky with my timing in the sense of social media was just taking off. And so I was essentially able to create my own images, my own photo shoots, work with creatives and work with people who believed in what I was trying to do. Um, and at the same time, I realized one of the big contributors to my decline of, of self-esteem, body image and mental health was not only the pressure to be slim, but also the pressure to be perfect. And a lot of that came from Photoshop. So um, I simultaneously tried to deconstruct Photoshop and explain it that the reason why I had so many insecurities was not only seeing most images that we consume being photoshopped, but actually seeing myself being photoshopped was really damaging um, because even I couldn't look like myself. So the fact that other people were comparing themselves to a retouched image was just wildly out of control and, and very hard for us to comprehend why then we have issues and self-esteem is so low. So I went on this mission and I guess 17 years later, I'm here today and it's been really wonderful to see how the industry's opened up and, and it's a beautiful thing because I feel like social media gave us, I say the consumer, I hate that word, but that is what we do. We're consuming not just the products, but the images We're we're the people that marketing and messaging is created for um, having a voice and being able to say, this is what we want to see. This is what we don't. And finally, brands realize that that is where the importance is. It's about listening to what people do want to see and what they don't and trying to respect that and figure out how they can do better. Well, that's not something we hear very often. We usually hear about how damaging social media is. So it's interesting mm. to hear on the flip side how it can also be helpful. Yes, it, there's definitely elements. And I think the biggest thing that I've learned being on social media for 10 years and really my whole 20s and as I developed my own sense of self and figuring out where that fell into a social media world was making sure I created more than I consumed. So I call it my create and consume ratio. It's actually something that I cover in um, my social butterfly boost um, where, where it essentially means if you are inputting, if you are creating, if you're doing something positive, you are contributing your knowledge, um, your creativity, it more so than just consuming, which to me often is where I think the damage is done, because that often leads to comparison of lifestyle, of looks, of success, of all of these things. Um, that for me means that you have that positive balance. And I've been on the app for 10 years and I've never once deleted it off my phone. And when I do speak to a lot of my peers, even when it's their full-time job or even when it's a really integral part of their career, sometimes they have to delete it because they haven't got that balance. Um, and so I always encourage people, it's like, it's not just having a timer on general consumption. It's actually thinking, am I creating something? Am I putting something out there? Am I connecting with people? Um, am I sharing something that feels good and positive? more so than just absorbing. And that for me has been how I've kind of kept a healthy boundary. But you do, you have to set boundaries. That's the number one thing. And don't be afraid to block, delete, really, really 
look at your feed and make sure it's diverse. Um, that's one thing that I think is so positive about social media. You have access to all of these different types of people from different who have different experiences from different cultures, um, and you can learn from them. But at the same time, you have to remember not to compare yourself to them because that's when it gets tricky. And that's definitely tough to avoid doing when we're looking at yeah. all these images all day long. How about in terms of you sharing content too? You don't just share the good stuff. Sometimes you share the the rough patches that you go through. You've shared selfies of yourself crying and talk about some of the hardships of life. How did it come to be that you started sharing those sorts of things? Yeah, that, that felt for me weirdly the easier route. Um, me, as someone like myself who understands the damage of trying to pursue perfection, I realized that if I try to perfect this social media platform and have it always be a certain way and always look a certain way and always have a certain type of post, I would never live up to that expectation of myself or the people who followed me. So I just realized if I just share all the different parts of me, that's going to be easier because I don't have to pretend, I don't have to hide, I don't have to you know, put on that face every day. And that is such a relief. And it also means that I've attracted an audience that again, respects me for being my real self and being able to be vulnerable or being able to share, you know, struggles. And it also means I've attracted brands and collaborations and partnerships, which again has in turn made my career go in a different direction than it would have if I had a very perfected, curated, highly, you know, perfect uh, I guess, portfolio of images and content creation, I would have attracted brands that probably I wouldn't have wanted to work with or wouldn't be open to change and doing positive things. So I think you make a big decision, but it's also never too late to, to share something real. And I think people have been scared of it because they think that people will, you know, um, not trust them or think that there's something going on and, and be worried about them. I think the hardest thing about sharing something like a, a moment where you're having a breakdown is that a lot of the times we share those privately. And so when you share it publicly, you get an outpour. And in a way, it's wonderful and supportive, but you can get bombarded. And my family was the hardest thing. And they were all messaging me and all worrying about me. And I was like, don't you cry sometimes too? Like maybe I have to post more of this because clearly it's such a big deal to see someone upset or not 100% happy every single day, which I think we know isn't realistic and isn't, you know, how most of us function. We do break down. And even if we have this perfect life and everything seems wonderful, we're still going to have those days where we need to cry or we're just having some kind of struggle or angst or whatever it might be hormone rushing and you're just feeling extra emotional um and so I guess more of that needs to be shared because it does blow my mind that so many people aren't used to seeing that um reflected online so something I hear from people is they'll say well I don't really want to share like the sad days or the tough things in my life because I don't want to be negative what would you mm. say to somebody whose concern is that sharing real life might somehow come across as being too negative um I think that it's all a balance. I think that it then actually helps people have authenticity when you then share the happy moments um, and the joy because that elevates those moments then because it shows you that, okay, this person also feels like me. So it creates that vulnerability, which is authentic. Um, and even though people might be shocked, like, oh my goodness, what's happened? Is it? It's very relatable. Um, and so I would never be 
I would never tell anyone to be afraid to post something. It is scary, though. I, I won't lie. And I think you have to prepare yourself for the reaction people might have. But being vulnerable is always something that people are going to be supportive of, in my opinion. You will, no matter what you post, there will always be 10% of people who might just be more negative people who might just have something mean to say. And that's something I think being on social media, I wish it could go away, but it's not going to. And you have to find the ways to kind of have your self-care toolkit and protect yourself and put those boundaries in place. If it's getting offline and going for a nature walk, or if it's being supported by your friends, um, that's really important. But it's not negative to even have a negative moment. It's just real and it's vulnerable. Um, And I don't believe that people would suddenly unfollow you because you had this moment of vulnerability. How about the negative comments? How do you deal with those when when you do get something that somebody says that's not so nice? Mm -hmm. I definitely try and put it all into perspective. I definitely definitely am of the mindset that they're probably going through something really, really tough and just deflecting it on you. Um, Or it's just insignificant in the grand scheme of my life. And I know my self-worth. I know what I contribute to this world. I know that the people around me love me and I know what I bring into their lives. And I think I've done a great job on social media and try to to do my best and support people and help causes and speak up for people. Um, And so that's how I counteract it. I really don't think too deeply about it. I just kind of see it and I'm like, oh, they're probably having a tough time and then I'll report it or delete it. It depends what type of comment because I used to get a lot of comments more about my body, especially as there wasn't really models that looked like me at the beginning of my size where it was in between. And so that was people just saying like, how can you be a model? You don't look like a model or, you know, you should lose weight, then you'd be more successful, all those kind of comments. But I did unfortunately receive a lot of comments going public with my partner who's black and then having you know, a mixed race baby, I received, unfortunately, a lot of comments then. And that was tough. And it wasn't because they were targeted at us. It was just more that that exists in the world. And that's just really upsetting to know that there are so many people with that mindset and that are comfortable being racist and being openly racist and, you know, making those attacks. Um, And again, I'm privileged to have not had to experience that my whole life, whereas I know people of color have had to experience that their whole life. So it was just really a reminder of how much work there is to be done. Um, And so, yeah, I think sometimes from negative comments, you might learn something. There are times when I've been called out and maybe it seemed like a negative comment, but actually I then speak to that person and understand their viewpoint. And then we come to an understanding. So there's been quite a few times where I've then public, I'm sorry, privately gone and messaged someone and kind of queried them about why they feel that way about me or why they decided to you know write that kind of comment and sometimes good things come from it other times it's very interesting there's a lot of people who are struggling with their mental health and don't have an outlet and sometimes social media is that outlet for them yeah that's a really good point that a lot of people do tend to take out their frustration their anger mm-hmm. the sadness that they feel by commenting on other people's things as a way to make themselves feel better. So to keep that in Mm -hmm. perspective is certainly important. And a lot of time people want the attention of a response as well. I've definitely, that's come up a lot. A lot of potentially more lonely people who might be struggling with isolation and kind of me then speaking to them privately, they 
immediately apologize for saying something and then kind of let me know it's actually because I feel really lonely and I don't have any friends and I just wanted your attention and I thought it would make me feel special even though it was a negative comment right how about when it comes to learning how to accept yourself for who you are how did you manage to come to a place where you could love yourself just like you are Mm. loving yourself is a journey um it's not one that has a, a final definition or answer um I think that it takes a daily dedication to choosing what mindset and what outlook you have. So one thing I like to do is do my mirror challenge. So in front of the mirror, this is whenever I'm struggling. During recovery, that was more of it like an everyday like affirmation um, and dedication. It was like, I know that I need this to kind of continue to move forward and feel more positive about who I am. And one thing that's interesting is a lot of people who've never done this work before and who have been struggling with their self-esteem, when they get in front of the mirror and they give themselves eye contact, they might not be able to cope. They might break down. They haven't actually given themselves eye contact for such a long time. And when you ask them to say kind things about themselves, they can't find any. And I remember doing this with um, a gentleman I met on an eating disorder walk that we were doing for raising money. And he was very vocal and he was angry and he had so much to speak about. But when he gave himself eye contact, he was completely silent and he couldn't think of anything to say about himself. And I'd only known him for an hour and I was able to say five things. I told him that he was, it was very inspiring how passionate he was. It was great that he was being vocal about something that needed to be talked about, which was male eating disorders. And so I reeled off five things and he was shocked because he said, I haven't even been very nice to you, but you had nice things to say. And I was like, exactly. So imagine if you decided to say nice things to yourself, how game changing that would be. And also I said to him, don't ignore when people do say nice things to you, take them in, put them in your back pocket, because we are very much programmed to only hear and see the negative things that are said to us. And that's probably one blip out of a hundred things that hundred nice things that we're told every week. We'll probably remember the one negative or not so nice thing that was said to us. So it's really that mindset mindset shift um, and being very intentional about the words that you use to describe yourself internally and to others. And the way you speak about others, again, will influence and be that positive kind of shift that you need. Because the synopsis in your brain will just continually rerun that narrative if you're playing it that, you know, you're worthless, um, you're ugly, you're not worthy of love, or you're not worthy of that job promotion. Um, You know, I'm failing. I'm not motivated enough. I'll never be able to work out because I, you know, I don't deserve to. Or there's so many things that we can play in our heads. And that's, that's, we're just writing that for ourselves, that script. Um, And it's no surprise that then that just continues to be our narrative. So that intentional daily waking up in the morning, giving yourself eye contact and choosing something different. um, If that's through affirmation, if that's through writing a journal, whatever that might be that you need, that's why (laughs) I feel like, I don't know if this is a good time, but you know, I have created, you know, um, a planner slash journal that allows people the space and the time and the prompts to do that, to really check in with themselves and to have that reminder and talk about every single day, how do I feel today? And how am I letting that impact the decisions I make, the way I view myself, the way I view others? Um, And that intentional mind shift really is what I committed to. And some days I might not be that consistent at it. And some days I might feel too tired. Um, Some days I might say something unkind to myself and 
that's okay. And I apologize to myself or I ask my partner, maybe I need their support. Maybe I need some help. And then we work on that together. Um, that's really important to have accountability and support from the people around you. So with my partner, we always do the check-ins of how are you feeling mentally, physically, emotionally. We do that at least once a week where it's like device free and it's just eye contact and just being very present because I think we go through life a lot of the time not having those deeper moments with each other or with ourselves, And that's, again, something that's very important. If you are wanting to feel completely solidified in who you are and who you are to the people around you too, because I think that's a major player in where I've felt unworthy or, or struggled with self-doubt before. It was being in relationships with partners or with friends and not knowing where I stood or where I contributed um, and feeling less than. Oh, so you just dropped tons of wisdom in that Sorry. paragraph. <laughs> but that, so to look in the mirror, look yourself in the eye, come up with something good to say about mm -hmm. yourself. Uh, the idea of writing in a journal, which I'm glad you brought up your journal because a lot of our guests talk about the importance of journaling, but a mm -hmm. lot of my listeners say, I don't know what to write or how to write it. So I love the idea that you're giving people yes. prompts and ideas mm -hmm. so that they know where to start. It's just so scary to look at a blank page. So scary. And then to have conversations with other people because we often love other people, but they don't they don't see us the way that we see ourselves. And mm -hmm. it's hard for us to to wrap our brains around, well, if I love this person and I trust them, but they're telling me these kind things about me, but I don't believe it, I have to decide, uh, is my view of myself wrong or are they seeing mm -hmm. me in a are they seeing me wrong? And that's uncomfortable to have to figure mm -hmm. that out. But having those conversations is so important because over time we can figure out maybe the way I see myself is a little bit skewed. Maybe I see myself more negative than somebody else, or maybe I don't recognize some of my strengths, but here's this person that I trust and they're telling me that I'm good at something or that, that something I do is really important. Hearing that is uncomfortable at first, but if you really dive into it, you get more comfortable with it over time. Definitely. And one of the quotes that I really like is speak to yourself like you're speaking to your best friend. Um, and I think that as a young woman, I definitely remember being caught up in those peer groups where someone would kick it off and say, oh, I feel disgusting. Say I put on five pounds. I can't possibly wear that dress. And then you contribute. Right. And if you can be that one person in your community, in your family, in your own, your friendship, whatever it is, where you can break that cycle. And instead of just contributing and thinking that the supportive thing is also being negative by saying, yeah, I feel gross too. Like, oh, I feel bloated or I don't feel good today. Or look at my skin. I've broken out. Because um, this is generally the the communication and the com conversing many female groups have is unfortunately very heavily appearance based. If you can be that one person to break that cycle and instead say, actually, I feel pretty good in myself. I know that that doesn't matter. And, you know, I deserve to go out tonight and feel good no matter what. If I have a roll here or a stretch mark here or if I've put on five pounds, who cares? Or yeah, he might not have called me back, but it wasn't because of me. That's his problem that, you know, he doesn't see my specialty or my creativity or my power in this world. So I'm, that's definitely a mission I'm on is to really challenge the narrative that I know I've had the majority of my life being appearance-based, especially in female groups, in communities, even online, just trying to talk about more things than the physical appearance. I, I struggle with body neutrality. I know that that's a really wonderful movement for many people. I still think that I want to talk about my relationship with my body and, and what that 
has looked like and currently is looking like. But for me, just the the first thing that women often talk about when they see each other again, oh, hey, you look great. Did you do, oh, did you, oh, oh you lost weight or you gained weight. It's just so, as soon as we judge anyone, it tends to be appearance and our male counterparts often don't and they're much more focused on their career or success or money or whatever it might be, sports. Um, and that frees a lot of their mental capacity up from having to think about appearance all the time. Don't get me wrong, on social media, there's still a lot of pressure for for all genders um, so based on looks. But I think for women especially, getting out of that is really important. And why do you think that is, that it's so hard not to focus on either our own appearance or somebody else's? I think because from the first movie, from the first book a lot of us have read, or even just listening to our mothers and women in our life, they've been focused on appearance. And that has been the contributing factor when we look at success um, and we see it in the media. It's often a very certain type of slim white woman who looks a certain way and she gets the guy and, you know, they're rich and they have this wonderful happy ever after. Um, And that has just been this consistent narrative for females, whereas men have definitely gotten other options, I feel like, Um, And they can look a certain way and still be successful. But for us, it really has been this one type of female who is able-bodied and generally white and slim and tall. Um, And that has been our kind of indicator of success. Attractiveness is very attached to success for women. And that attractiveness has been decided by society. Um, And even though it's shifted and it is shifting and it's beautiful to see different types of people celebrated in the media, it still tends to be. And in Hollywood, it still tends to be that set kind of person, um, that set beauty ideal, I should call it. Um, And so that's really hard. And I think even in high school, I remember my yearbook at the end of the year nearly all of the female awards that you could win were about who was the prettiest, who was the cutest, who was, you know, and all the males was like, who was the fastest, who was the strongest, who was the, you know, bravest or whatever it might have been. So we just got to break that cycle. And the only way to do that is for us to, to have these conversations and pass that down to our children growing up and making sure that every time I see a little girl on the playground who's playing with my baby, I'm not like, oh, you're so pretty. I'm like, wow, you're so brave. You're so courageous. It's those small changes that we are going to make. And we're doing it right now. And I am really excited to see, you know, my child grow up in hopefully a different environment. Um, that's definitely a lot less tied to gender stereotypes, a lot less tied to race um, and allowing my baby to figure out who they're going to be in a, a world that's hopefully a lot more space to be whoever they want to be. I hope so, too. And I'm glad you brought up uh, kids because you recently mm. became became a mom. I did. How has motherhood affected your uh, body image and your thoughts on sort of the ideal woman? Mm. I mean, I again, it's put it into so much perspective and thinking about the time and energy that I used to put into thinking about how I looked and how I wanted to look and all of those things. Like really nothing matters when you are raising a child and you are trying to just invest all the energy that you have into making sure that they are happy and healthy and loved. Um, and then again, trying to still have a career and do that. So I feel like not in a bad way. Sometimes it it feels like I'm missing out on my self-care and time to for me. 
but it just feels like so worthwhile. I mean, it's the most fulfilling role that I've ever been able to play in my life as mom. Um, and it's definitely given me all sorts of different validation I never knew that could exist. Um, and so in that sense, I feel like my self-worth is just through the roof because this little human needs me. And you know what? There's something to feel needed is is something that I think as a human we all like to feel. Um, and we can all feel very fulfilled when we do feel needed um, and consistently loved because you're just loved by this tiny little human and to them you're just perfect. So there's a lot of positives that come from it. But postpartum is tricky because you have raging hormones you were the glowing pregnant goddess and then all of a sudden you're the sleep deprived, you know, milk. <laughs> my my son said the other day, because he loves reading this farm book and it has cows in and we talk about how cows make milk. And he was pointing to my boobie and he was like, mama, cow, milk. And I was like, I kind of was <laughs> for a while there, just a milk production machine, just on zero sleep and thinking that my career was probably going to go down the drain. And you know, uh, regarding body image, it's like, I will never look the way I did. And just accepting that, obviously, that's a wonderful thing, because I was able to have my child. And I know not everyone is. So I'm definitely just very, very grateful for my body. Um, but yeah, thinking that I will never look the way I did can be very scary for someone who's in the past had body dysmorphia or eating disorders. So that was just something that I was coming to terms with and talking to other moms everyone feels that way. Um, so having, again, that open dialogue and having that support system and being able to know it's okay to say you're not okay, or it's okay to ask questions, or it's okay to, as a mom, we feel the pressure to just be grateful all the time because you are, this little human is everything you could have ever dreamed of, but it's okay to also say, I'm frustrated. I'm tired. Some days I just, I can't, or I don't want to mom, or I need just an hour and all of those things are just so valid. And I think social media is helping that narrative come out a little bit more. Because um, I didn't know, honestly, half the struggles or half the things until it happened to me. Um, and so I'm glad that I was able to talk about certain things and other women are as well. I'm glad you're talking about the, the positives of social media again. <laughs> Last question for you. For somebody who's listening to this and maybe they struggle with uh, accepting themselves for, for the way that they look or they feel like their appearance is the most important thing, mm. uh, what would be your advice about where to start or what they could start to do differently? Yeah, I would definitely start with working in front of the mirror. I would start to say, how are you defining yourself? If they are all physical, let's change those. I'm not saying go from zero to 100. So why don't we start off with three physical and two that are about your personality, your spirit, how you contribute in this world, maybe your impact on others. And then you can start taking those physical ones down. And you know, there's, there's still nothing wrong with loving the way your body looks. Absolutely not. But the focus should be on your ability. It should be on what your body does for you. When you think about going to the beach, if your one thought is, how am I going to look in a bikini? You are disregarding all the other things your body's going to allow you to do, which is obviously walk on the beach, feel the sand in your toes, feel the wind on your skin, enjoy the cold, freezing ocean. Like there's just every day there are experiences that our body allows us to do. And when we switch that perspective to thinking about those abilities rather than just the physical appearance, that's when we get this real appreciation for our body besides just what it looks like. So that's really where I'd start. I'd break down what you're currently focused on with 
the mirror work or like we said, journaling. Again, there's prompts in, in my self-funding planner. We have a whole um, self-care boost that you can put in and it has all of these prompts and all of these activities and ways that you can help really challenge and shift that mindset. Um, and then start rewarding yourself every time you do make a compliment that isn't physical about someone else. Because when you do that shift with someone else, then it will definitely impact your narrative as well. So when you do a really great job and you see someone and you compliment them on, I don't know, their teaching skills or the way they speak to others or just anything other than something like their weight, reward yourself and think like that felt good. I want to start, you know, kind of rewarding myself with the same type of narrative and the same type of compliments. And that's a really big one because you're kind of faking it if you're not implementing in other areas of your life and you're thinking that you'll be only you'll be able to shift your body image by just kind of doing it introvertly. It's really about every type of way you communicate with others online. You might have to unfollow a lot of people and block them. And you might have to surround yourself with a social media feed that is also going to support this journey. Um, and then look around at the people you're spending time with and how they talk and have an open conversation with them. Say that you're on this journey where I want to feel better about the way I look the way I feel. Um, are you down to support me? These are some things that I find triggering. These are some things I want to avoid. And if they're not supportive of it, it might be time to spend less time with that person. Maybe if that's just temporary and then maybe they'll see your growth or they'll understand what you're going through and you know come back into your life. But in different seasons, there's going to be different relationships in your life. And it's absolutely okay to say this person is not from this season of my life. And instead, make sure you're putting yourself in a scenario where you can succeed on this journey. And there are plenty of people who will want to support you. I love that, that this person just might not be for the season of your life. Mm -hmm. Wise words. Iskra Lawrence, <laughs> thank you so much for being on the Very Well Mind podcast. Thank you so much for your time, Amy. And thank you for letting me talk about my self-funding planner. Um, you know, it really was a product that I've spent the whole of the pandemic since, you know, the beginning of 2020 developing um, and it's just launched. So thank you for anyone who wants to support and thinks it's an important product. I think it is. So thank you so much, Amy. Absolutely. We'll link to it in our show notes. And thank you. Appreciate that. Welcome to the Therapist Take. This is a part of the show where I'll break down Iskra's strategies and talk about how you can apply them to your own life. Here are three of Iskra's strategies that I really liked. Number one, pay attention to your create-to-consume ratio on social media. Iskra said she pays close attention to how much content she's creating versus how much she's consuming. That's important advice. Because sometimes it's tempting to spend hours mindlessly scrolling through social media and consuming lots of other people's content. What if you use some of that time to create something positive and you shared that on social media? It could improve your mood and help you feel better. It doesn't necessarily have to be a picture of you, though. Maybe you share a motivational quote or an inspiring image. That might help you to know that you're spreading some good things into the world and you'll focus less on what other people are doing or how they look. Number two, compliment people on something other than their appearance. I like that Iskra talked about the importance of giving out compliments to people about something other than how they look. The more you do that, the more likely you are to think about your own qualities outside of your appearance. That can be tough, though. You might be so used to complimenting people on their clothes or their hair that it's tough to figure out what else do you say. But maybe you compliment a family member on their cooking, or maybe you tell your friend that you appreciate that they called to check on you. 
give it a shot and see if it helps you focus a little less on your own appearance. And number three, speak to yourself like you would talk to your best friend. This is something we've talked about on the show before, how important it is to be kind to ourselves. Most of us would never talk to our friends with the same harsh criticism that we use on ourselves. So I appreciate that Iskra said this. If you catch yourself being too hard on yourself or being overly critical, take a minute and ask, what would I say to my friend? Then use those same kind, self-compassionate words on yourself. And if you're extra brave, try saying something nice to yourself while you're looking at yourself in the mirror. If you want to see how powerful this can be, look up Iskra's Mirror Challenge online. She shows what happens to people when they try this exercise. So those are three of Iskra's tips that I highly recommend. Pay attention to your create-to-consume ratio on social media. Compliment people on things other than their appearance. And speak to yourself the same way you talk to your best friend. For more of Iskra's tips, go check out her website, iskralawrence.com. She has lots of great videos on there with self-care tips and strategies that can help you feel more comfortable with your body. Thank you for listening to the Very Well Mind podcast. If you found this episode informative, please share the episode with your friends and family and leave a rating and review wherever you listen to podcasts. To learn more about the Very Well Mind podcast, you can head to verywellmind.com slash podcasts.